and welcome to On Purpose. To the new revolution. The audio subscription service for the chiropractic profession. I'm Dr. Patrick Gentempo. With me as always is Dr. Christopher Kent, and this is our April 2020 politics program. Hey, come on! Well, hello, everybody. I have to tell you, I'm uh, extraordinarily excited. And I don't hear people say that too much these days, but um, we've got uh, a chiropractor that I've known for too many years, um, who I very much respect and admire, who is uh, going to be in the normal rotation and on purpose. And this is the one and only Dr. Matt McCoy. I said, maybe we'll call his segment The Real McCoy. And uh, that might not mean anything to all the millennials that are out there, but Dr. Ken certainly knows the real McCoy. Uh, oh, yeah. I remember my fellow stroke patient, Walter Brennan, who starred in the real McCoys as Grandpappy Amos. And um, yeah, everyone's drawing blanks, and I'm saying uh, it's hard to believe, A, that I'm that old, and B, that there was actually television in those days, <laughs> albeit black and white television. <laughs> And we might be better off if there was no television right now. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, with everybody sequestered at home, uh, I, I imagine uh, you know Netflix stock is one of the ones that's going up. But uh, so, wait, first of all, Matt, Zoom uh, is zooming. I understand. I oh think yeah, that's I think so is one of the pundits said. Uh, Matt, so uh, first of all, welcome and greetings. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Talking with some sane people. <laughs> where? Where? Well, well, maybe that's a good question to start with. When is this going to be available? So that because <laughs> what's it, going on right be, now? Probably about three to four so, weeks. So keep that in so, mind. Yeah, it's usually three to four weeks from the time of recording till time on purpose is released, and and uh, so the world can look very, very different. So we can only talk about what we know up to date, and obviously it's hard to you know start. Uh, talking about anything but uh, you know this whole coronavirus uh, scenario and how it's gripping the world in fear and and uh, panic and uh, you know we're we're just preambling around a lot of okay hey you know what's going on in your world right now what's going on in your world uh, so it's 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 certainly a time to pardon the pun inject some some rationality and sanity into the equation here. Um, and call out stuff that's kind of bull so uh, so I, I guess you know uh, we should just begin with uh, so Matt I don't know if you had a particular agenda for what you want to talk about on the you know on our time well I mean it's was pretty it's pretty simple and straightforward honestly you know Chris uh, Chris said you want to do 10 minutes or whatever I said sure in terms of risk management obviously, in the past uh, several days, uh, you know, it's been nonstop uh, phone calls and emails and messages from all of our insureds, you know, losing their minds because the media is making them lose their minds, you know, in terms of, of what to do right now. So, you know, that's one issue. Um, but, you know, in terms of risk management, uh just to get this out of the way, and then we don't even have to come back to it because it, it's it's really very simple. Uh, you know, we're seeing all these notice, and and it's also you know advice that lives on after you know we uh, either succumb to the coronavirus or you know we we beat it. Um, you know, and it's the issue of advertising and marketing and making claims and all that sort of stuff. And we're seeing a, a lot of nonsense from some of the uh, state organizations and even the state boards, you know, threatening chiropractors not to make any claims that you can cure the coronavirus and not to make any claims that you can, you know, stimulate or boost the immune system and all that sort of stuff. So it, it's this isn't really that complicated. Uh, it's very straightforward. You know, if we understand chiropractic philosophy, we understand that uh, chiropractic and the adjustment doesn't cure anything. Uh, its purpose is to find, analyze, and correct vertebral subluxations and then let the body do what it is designed to do. So in terms of making claims for stuff, 
just don't say that you're treating infectious diseases and don't say that you can cure infectious diseases. Instead of saying that you boost the immune system or stimulate the immune system, just say that you support the immune system. That's all there is to it. It's no more complicated than that. And it's kind of interesting because like the words, uh, you know, I guess matters, like you said, well, you know, we we have a beneficial effect on the immune system or we stimulate the immune system or we support the immune system. It seems the word support is a word that's always tolerated by, you know, um, regulators. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and in my mind, if I were saying, if I'm speaking my mind, uh, you know, we absolutely have, uh, you know, or when I say we, but the chiropractic adjustment and not talking about manipulations, but the chiropractic adjustment absolutely has, you know, um, you know, beneficial effects on immune function. Uh, but, you know, but, but how you say it and what representations you make, I think people are going to be very oversensitive right now for, on the regulatory side of that. So you got to err on the side of caution. Right. Well, look, the reality is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, and I would imagine as far as you all are concerned, the, the preponderance of the evidence, and we're talking about all of the evidence, not, you know, the uh, appendix N uh, level of evidence that is only allowed, you know, in Australia and Canada and all these other places. But the preponderance of the evidence is just what you said. I have no problem really honestly saying that chiropractic adjustment could stimulate the, the, the immune system or boost the immune system because I've read the freaking literature. Yeah. <laughs> so if these right. idiots would just read, you know, and then comprehend, then they'd understand there really is no issue with that. You know, but, you know, we're dealing with, you know, a bunch of nitnicks that uh, have their own agenda. You know, my only hope, honestly, in all of this mess is that this does some culling of the herd in the chiropractic profession, you know, because these these idiots that are out there manipulating dysfunctional spinal joints, they're the ones that are shutting down over this. And they should shut down because if all you're doing is manipulating dysfunctional spinal joints, you're not essential <laughs> at this point. You yep. should go home and cower under your bed with all your possessions and your family and let chiropractors that want to take care of people during this you know, so-called crisis, let them do it and get out of their way. Uh, well, I'm perfectly in alignment with that, and uh, and that is you know the the general nature of things uh, you know because the, the question is what you know it goes back to the philosophy and philosophy is going to actually dictate your purpose right it's sort of say if this is what I believe uh, then here's what I should do and um, and if you're right if you're manipulating spinal joints you're about as non-essential as can be right now uh, it's it's people who say that they're having an impact on the you know global health and life expression in the individual that should be showing up every day for people uh, and doing doing the right things. So uh, so anyway, so yeah, so I guess in mitigating though uh, your own as a chiropractor mitigating exposure to adverse action, you want to be very careful about what you're saying. Now let's talk about the personal side of this guys. Um, there's all this stuff about testing, getting tested, getting tested. Uh, but is there anything relative to the validity? Because, you know, people automatically accept testing like they do vaccines, right? Oh, you have the vaccine. It means it's going to work, which we know is not true. So is it like, oh, the test, the tests are, you know, accurate. They're they're 100 percent, um, you know, uh, their, their sensitivity, their specific, uh, specificity has been demonstrated so that if the test is positive, you know, it's true. And if the test is negative, you know, it's true. What do you know about these tests? Well, from what I've read, they, they vary quite a bit. Um, there are a number of technologies that, that can be used, such as a, a polymerase uh, chain reaction, PCR. Uh, there are other methods that are being used uh, in these tests, and what seems to be lacking is data concerning their sensitivity, specificity, and predictive value. And just to refresh everyone's recollection, sensitivity is the percentage of people who have the condition that have a positive test. Uh, in, a, in an ideal world, we'd like that to be 100%. Specificity is the number of people who don't have it who have a negative test. And of course, we'd like that to be 
But in the real world, when you're setting thresholds uh, in chemical assays, there's a trade-off between sensitivity and specificity. So if you crank up the sensitivity to pick up more cases, you're going to have more false positives. If you turn that down and want a more specific test, you're going to miss some cases. So when you're assessing any clinical test, uh, any kind of laboratory test, uh, it's essential that these, these things be known uh, so that a rational interpretation can be made. And um, as, as we've read in the media, some of these tests have had problems. There hasn't been much specificity in the literature about what those problems are. Uh, and there's one test out there that claims 99% sensitivity and specificity. And although on the surface that would sound pretty good, when you're dealing with a million people and you have one percent miss, that's a lot of people. Well, so, and uh, you, yeah. and you, uh, you know, you blew past the key word there in, in in what you said towards the end, and that word was rational. <laughs> <laughs> I I hear very few things. You know, I not listen. I'm not. Uh, I'm not the smartest uh, guy around, but, but I'm hearing stuff that's just absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, at this point, it, it, it's become obvious, I think, to anybody who's thinking at all that this whole thing is a charade. Uh, and it's a bad charade, really, at that, you know. Um, and, and just, you know, we were talking about this before we went live, and uh, I pulled it up. Uh, while we were waiting, you know, we were talking about this testing stuff and everybody wants tests and, oh, we got to get the tests out and, and all this nonsense, right? Um, and, and I was telling the story about Pam and her practice and she's got this, you know, trauma surgeon uh, that came in uh, two days ago to get adjusted and he was just livid. You know, he's like the test, the test, uh, you know, what, 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 the, what the F uh, with, with the test? What are you going to do if, if I'm positive to take the test? You got nothing for me. You got nothing for anybody. So why are we taking tests? You know, the tests serve the purpose down the road to sell the vaccine or to force the vaccine, you know, once they have that. And if you get tested, now you got the scarlet letter, right? And, and that's what happened with this guy in Kentucky. So it, 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 he ended up, he got tested. He was in the hospital. They tested him. He was positive. And so he, he checks himself out of the hospital, <laughs> you know, against, you know, quote, unquote, against medical advice. And then the state authorities surround his home with guns and force him into isolation, you know. So no thank you. You know, you can keep your test. <laughs> yeah. could, and, and that could have been a false positive. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so what if he's positive, you know, he's and, and right. And, and this is, you know, this is where the craziness is coming in, too. I don't know. I know Chris and I went back and forth a couple of times on an email about it. But, you know, what they were considering doing in the United Kingdom, uh, you know, right right to the very end. And then they switched course and, and went the same direction the United States was going. In the United Kingdom, uh, Boris, whatever his last name is, he was just going to let the thing run its course and, and let natural immunity, you know, filter through the population. The problem was that the, you know, the number crunchers, the eggheads, the researchers that were, you know, showing him this data, uh, basically said, listen, you know, if you do that, a lot more people are going to die eventually uh, or initially, I should say. Um, now, everybody will be immune after that. Right. And we don't have to worry about it anymore. But initially, a lot more people are going to die that way than if you do this, you know, quarantine and testing and all this other nonsense that they're doing. Uh, so obviously no politician you know, wants to be responsible for killing more people. So, you know, it, this was a political decision. It wasn't a decision based on science. Scientifically, the best thing to do would be to let this thing do what it does. I mean, to me, it's no different than the way I was raised growing up, where our parents exposed us to all of these, you know, scourges that were out there. And then you developed immunity and everybody went on and, no, and everything was fine. But obviously things have changed.
Well, another important unknown is what is the duration of the immunity and, and what's the quality of the immunity? Um, we know that coronaviruses in, in less virulent forms are associated with things like the common cold, for which immunity is virtually non-existent. So, you know, yet another unknown is what is the duration of immunity and what's the specificity because we're dealing with a rapidly mutating organism. Indeed. Yeah, and, and, and I think, so, so tell me, you know, because this logic, I think, makes some sense um, in, uh, insofar as the so-called flattening of the curve. Um, and so I'd love to hear you guys' view on this because, uh, I, and I've been reading and I've, I've gotten some firsthand accounts uh, from uh, doctors working in the hospitals in Italy. And the challenge is because exactly what you said, Matt, you know, it's like, hey, there's going to be a bunch of deaths. <laughs> you know, you just let it run its natural course. And I think there's a lot of good argument for, you know, uh, for that. But what they're dealing with in Italy, and uh, when it may very well be what we're dealing with here, is that um, there's they're they're trying. It's not going to it's not going to change probably the amount of people that contract a virus. It's going to it's going to basically spread out the timeline on the infections. Right. And uh, because in Italy, they're basically you know, it's my friend who's a surgeon forwarded me an email from a surgeon who's working over there, you know, around the clock for three weeks hasn't seen his family. And he, and he said, you know, we're literally here with a lack of, of uh, um, ventilators, you know, and other things that we could utilize to, you know, save people's lives. And we have to decide who lives and who dies. You know, we're, we're just completely overwhelmed. Like the tsunami hits, all these people show up, they're in respiratory distress. And, um, and literally, we have to sit there and just decide who gets, you know, who gets intubated and then, you know, and then who's going to just slowly die because we can't, we don't have the equipment for them. So, so is there a, a, re a, a reasonable rationale to say getting, you know, flattening the curve of, of how many people are going to get it within a certain time frame is going to actually save a lot of lives or do you don't see it that way? Well, I think there's too many other connecting uh, dots with this. And in, in, in other words, you know, the, the plan that the UK had been looking at, um, you, you know, basically segregated people into different groups. You know, the groups that definitely, listen, you got to be quarantined. You either have it or you got symptoms or you're old or you're immunocompromised, you know, all that. Those people, you know, stay the hell at home, okay? And let your family, who's not ill, take care of you, and they don't go out, right? Right. And now the people who aren't ill and the people who aren't positive and the, all that sort of stuff, you go out to work and, and get your ass to work and keep the economy going, <laughs> okay? So that mm -hmm. doesn't crash. Right. And and then, you know, these people cycle through these groups as they become positive and as they uh, as they go through the 14 day quarantine and then they're not contagious and all that sort of stuff. And, and the immunity, you know, filters through the population. So, uh, you know, listen, I get it that that because uh, I think the prediction in the UK would have been if they went with that plan, 200,000 people would have died. I mm. get that's not politically, you know possible. And uh, I understand we're talking about human beings and all of that sort of stuff. But what are we doing with this strategy? I mean, aren't we just creating more of a chronic problem that now this coronavirus, it's going to have to adapt to the vaccine that we create <laughs> and, you know, all of that stuff. And we don't even know enough about it to know how, how that's going to uh, you know, play out in that from from a health perspective. And then on top of that, you got the economic issues. You know, I mean, I'm here in Georgia and so far, you know, the, they haven't shut everybody down yet. They've shut certain things down. The restaurants are still open, that kind of stuff. And I go out to eat every day. We're going out to restaurants, you know, supporting local restaurants and businesses. And these poor freaking people, 
I mean, they're going to be out of business and they're never going to be able to open up again. Uh, so what's the effect of that long term? You know, look at the stock market, look at everything. That, I mean, so what's worse? You know, the 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 long term consequences that, you know, also result in deaths in terms of the economic uh, impact of this or let's spike the curve which is the which is you know the opposite of flattening the curve get this over with get immunity to it and then move on and i i know you know that's why i said i probably shouldn't be recorded today <laughs> yeah no i think you know everything's got consequences right and now you got to pick you know what what do you want your consequences to be <laughs> based on some of this decision making and you're right politics is, you know plays a big part uh, unfortunately, in, in what people are going to decide or what they're going to determine. Um, and, if, and, and as you start to look at economics and you start to look at, you know, uh, these extraordinary uh, financial rescue efforts, you know, the consequences of which are almost incalculable. In and, and let me throw this in there, too, because I don't want to forget forget this piece either. And, and you know, this is really going to certainly going to convince people I've lost my mind. But, you know, if we're quarantining the sick and all that sort of stuff and people out there working and all that kind of stuff, and then for the people that are sick, we're also providing them because they don't have an answer for this, right? We're also providing them with chiropractic care and we're providing them with all the other salutogenic interventions that they should be doing. Right. But instead, we close the health clubs. We close the health clubs, but the vape shops are open. I mean, there, <laughs> there's no sense in this. Right. They close the freaking beaches in Florida. <laughs> I mean, this is absurd. You know, OK, leave the beaches open. Just make people sit six feet apart. I mean, you know, there, there's no rational thought going into some of these decisions. OK. And, it, you know, all the chiropractors are out there talking about what happened during the 1918 pandemic, you know, and how chiropractors help people. Yeah, because we were supporting their immune systems. And so maybe we'd be able to lessen the number of people who would, you know, perish if we spike the curve, you know, but instead they're sending everybody home to lock themselves in their homes Right. Don't go to the gyms. Don't. I, I, I mean, it's absurd. I was out. I took my son, uh, took Alex to the park last night to throw the football around. And by the way, the park was full of people who were not engaging in social distancing, <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking to myself, my kid, his football was canceled. His his hip hop classes are canceled. Uh, basketball is everything is canceled. These these kids are not in the at risk population. At least let the kids continue to play their sports. You know, I mean, so there's no rationality going on here. Yeah, you know, there's. I, I think it's once you pick it, you got to go all. You know, it's because it's <laughs> it, it, do, it doesn't work. If you're going to pick lock it down and flatten the curve, then that then you got to go all in and lock it down and flatten the curve because that's the right. strategy. Or you know, spike the curve and let it run its course, then spike the curve, and let it run its course. But in between doesn't doesn't get either done and I think creates a lot of problems. Here's the other thing. <laughs> you can tell I got a few things on my mind. Here's the <laughs> other thing that that is just so I mean, it's really kind of scary in a way. I mean, like Trump, hate Trump, doesn't really even matter. But Think about what has gone on over the past couple of years with him. I mean, every institution that was ever created by man tried to stop this guy, right? Tried to do him in. And what got him to put his tail between the le his legs, right? The medical pharmaceutical industrial complex. Uh, eventually, that's what got him. <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. And it gives you some perspective on just how powerful they are. No doubt they're extremely powerful, and, and that's probably a, a topic for a whole other time. Um, I, one other question I have for you and Chris to get your view on this before we tie this up, because it's a big topic conversation. So I'm seeing headlines, Bill Gates, healthcare workers may get coronavirus vaccine within 18 months. So, so look at, I, I did a video that went viral 
I guess about a week ago or so, because um, I was really pissed off because I'm, I'm watching a news report and I see a guy who's the CEO of a pharmaceutical company saying, we have a vaccine. And the reporter said, oh my God, this is great news, blah, blah, blah. And they said, he's, and then the reporter said, so what's the timeline? Well, we got to go through testing, you know, and, and blah, blah, blah. And it's going to take probably, you know, year, 18 months at the minimum. And the reporter's going, is, and this is before this was, quote, a pandemic. And the reporter said to him, well, then shouldn't, uh, then, then you can't do anything to accelerate this. And the guy literally, he said this right, right on air, unabashed. He said, well, if this is a pandemic, which I think they're going to call it tomorrow, that it is a pandemic, and these are the literal quote unquote words, then we can do whatever we want. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I was like literally out of my chair about to go like I, I was like I, I could not believe that that they're so brazen at this point that they don't they don't just think it. They're willing to say it out loud. Um and so if you really think about this, if we understand the nature of, you know, what is even believed by many by vaccines, which I don't think to be true, um, if, if 18 months from now, having a vaccine does us no good, even if the vaccine would work, which I don't think it will, and probably it won't be safety tested, which they never are, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts on this? We have a vaccine for an organism that's a year to 18 months old, however long the lag is. So even if one felt that vaccines were effective, and even if uh, one felt that it was safe enough, that it was a reasonable risk to take it, um, wow, when, when you're dealing with um, a virus that's changing this rapidly, you know, in, in chiropractic, we talk about innate intelligence. And I remember in the old days when I was teaching microbiology at Palmer, uh, that's that's one discussion we had. You know, a virus which is an obligate parasite and cannot reproduce without a host, uh, is, is that a true organism? And does it have an innate intelligence? Well, it sure seems to be striving very hard to propagate itself. Yeah, and you know, I, uh, I I've kind of uh, leveled off on doing this anymore at this point. Once I got to the point where I feel like it just we just need to let it do its thing. But you know, prior to that, trying to get all the information I could, reading all the research, reading the papers. I mean, I, I got uh, the the papers and the actual films, the video they created from the team that. Uh, and it's fascinating how they did this. They actually took pictures of the virus. Um, uh, and I couldn't tell you without <laughs> reading it again how they did it, but it's fascinating. And you read about uh, structurally, you know, how this virus has created uh, structural changes uh, in itself in order to attach itself to its host cell. I mean, it's unbelievable you know the i'm going to call it the innate intelligence of this virus and then here we are you know thinking that we're going to be able to do something to fool it i mean it, it's 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 just absurd and then the other thing with with you know this whole uh, the vaccination thing and you're fat you were talking about healthcare workers right because they're going to be first in line uh to get it this is what chiropractors have to be careful about, um, that it's mandated for chiropractors. You know, what are you going to do now when the public health authorities in this country say all healthcare workers have to have it and chiropractors are included under that, you know, because now we're all going out there saying how essential we are, right? We want to be accepted. Okay, well, now roll up your sleeve and get this shot. I mean, and if you don't, well... What are they going to do? Are they going to take your license away from you? Um, you know, so this is real stuff we're going to have to have to deal with. Um, and not only that, but, you know, you think about what they've done, you know, because chiropractors are out there talking about the flu and how many people the flu kills every year and blah, 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 blah. Well, now they have themselves, right, instead of letting it run its course and create immunity throughout the, the population of the world, now they are creating a chronic, 
viral infection that will be seasonal. And now they've gotten us to the point where martial laws invoked. You got National Guard troops on the road in 30 some odd states, if not more at this point. Um, I, I mean, how so next next COVID season comes around and it raises its head again and they're going to be like, you all better get your vaccination or we're just going to shut you down again. And if you don't get vaccinated, you can't come out, you can't go to restaurants, you can't do anything. I mean, it's really perfectly orchestrated when you think about it. Well, uh, yeah, I think this is, uh, you know, remember, again, somebody who said something out loud that when they say it out loud, it's as brazen as it gets. Don't let any good crisis go to waste. Yes. Uh, That was Rahm Emanuel when he was was, uh, with the Clinton administration. Uh, No, that was actually uh, Obama. Oh, that's right. Obama. Yeah. And it was so the idea uh, you know, that, yes, things can get railroaded. They'll be tolerated because everybody's freaked out and in crisis. And that's that's the time when civil liberties are taken away, uh, which um, is probably why there's an increase in uh, gun ownership right now. Well, if, if, well we, so, yeah. if we learned anything about 9-11 and, and the whole TSA airport thing, uh, you know, I, I remember, as I'm sure both of you do, when National Guard troops were patrolling the airports and they had automatic weapons. And, you know, it was a, I, I, I felt like I was in some kind of banana republic. But if you can convince people that there's a threat and that they can suddenly be saved by government, they'll let government do almost anything. And kind of the rule of thumb when you're you're orchestrating one of these uh, theatrical performances is that the more invasive um, whatever it is that they use as a measure, uh, the more protected you are. So, um, yeah, well, and in, Georg- in Georgia, right, the governor Kemp declared declared uh, state of emergency. And in those powers that were granted to him, the state now has the power to forcibly vaccinate and treat in any way, shape, or form that they want to against your will. And they have the power to seize personal property and resell it and do whatever they want with it. I mean, you know, because I used to, uh, over the past couple of years, you know, because I've seen all this stuff kind of building up that something's going to happen. And so we've been looking at land here and in other states and all this other stuff. Well, it turns out it doesn't matter. You can have all the land you want. They can take it away from you, <laughs> which comes back to the Second Amendment, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it is a disturbing circumstance. And uh, it's, you know, it, this has been played out many times fictionally, uh, but now we're getting it in reality. Um, and, uh, you know, so th- those things are disturbing. We we hope that you know all we do is hope that it doesn't go that far. And of course, if you're in a less populated area, you're uh, I'd say less vulnerable to um, you know these sort of uh, martial law tactics. But nonetheless, uh, we're all yeah. You know, if you're in this country, and, and imagine you know other countries even worse. Uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a really disturbing thing. I think the whole point, though, and this is getting back to the fundamentals, and I think we can maybe leave it at this. But you know, the idea that because now I keep seeing in the headlines, uh, oh, you know, we got it's we're it's a war, it's a wartime battle, yeah. and that we have to kill this enemy. And the misguided hubris to think that we can just wipe out viruses off the face of the earth, you know, is, is just like, I, you know, and really, really smart people have that orientation. And, you know, we, we have to get a little bit more humble about, you know, uh, our species on the planet and understand that it's not in our purview to just kill, you know, this, this very intelligent microbe world that's a, that has innate intelligence, but it's much less complex than us, which means it can adapt much faster. Rapidly, yeah. And, yeah, and, and that's a whole other thing. And this is, you know, because you guys have better expertise than I do on this. You know, if this thing mutates, which it likely can and will, 
any vaccine they'd create based on what it is today would be ineffective tomorrow with, with the mutated version of it, correct? Well, they're trying to develop a different technology to do that. In fact, if you guys are game, I don't know how much time Matt has. You know, we do have some stuff in politics that relates to this, and I'd love to just keep going and all right, well, let's let's Go get back doing some of that. No, I'm I'm fine because because this brings up the uh, probably what Chris is going to talk about is the reality. Uh, Pat, this is what you're asking. They're not they're not really trying anymore. I mean, when you look at the vaccine research, they're they've moved away. I think for the most part of trying to develop you know specific vaccines for specific things. They are uh, relative to like the flu and coronaviruses and all that. They're just trying to create now a super. Uh, vaccine that'll get all of them, you know, even if they mutate, which is yes. really scary. Well, they're trying. To, they're trying to use messenger RNA. That wasn't my first article, but since it's here and I can find it quickly, we'll talk about it. It says Moderna Therapeutics, a biotech company based in Cambridge, Mass, has shipped the first batches of COVID-19 vaccine. By the way, they're doing clinical trials. Uh, there was a picture of a woman receiving yeah. an injection, so it's happening. The vaccine was created just 42 days after the genetic sequence was released by Chinese researchers in mid-January. The first vials were sent to the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease as part of the NIH, and uh, they will ready the vaccine for human testing. It says as early as April. Well, forget that. They're doing it now in March. But here's what we were talking about. And this is kind of interesting. And this is the issue they've had with the seasonal flu vaccine, which is where a group of, well, let's just say a, a self-selected mutual admiration society gets together and guesses what they think it might be. And then they, they grow the stuff and uh, create a vaccine. Now they're saying, well, maybe that's not such a great strategy. We might try something else. And, and this is kind of scary. It says, Moderna's vaccine was developed in record time because it's based on a relatively new genetic method that does not require growing huge amounts of virus. Instead, the vaccine is packed with messenger RNA, the genetic material that comes from DNA and makes proteins. Moderna loads its vaccine with messenger RNA that codes for the right coronavirus proteins, which then get injected into the body. Immune cells in the lymph nodes can process messenger RNA and start making protein in just the right way for other immune cells to recognize them and mark them for destruction. Messenger RNA is like a software molecule in biology, so our vaccine is like the software program for the body, which then goes to make viral proteins it can generate an immune response. So what they're kind of hoping for, if I'm reading this correctly, is that instead of creating a vaccine involving viruses that have a, a specific antigen, they're going for the messenger RNA and, and hoping that they can kind of hijack the process that way. Jesus. <laughs> that's what I said. <laughs> I mean, that's Dr. Frankenstein. I don't know if you if you watched it, but the um, uh, the thing that's on Netflix, uh, what is it called? Pandemic, that documentary. Um, it, it'll scare the hell out of you. And it and it and it, it. What Pat said reminded me that you know we're talking about people that are. You know, they're smart, and I'm using air quotes. I mean, you know, these are quote-unquote smart people. And then you hear what they're doing, and you see the holes in the logic, and you wonder, how we, these people can't be in charge of this. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, well that, you know, when you start playing it, with genetic material, and, and this, this hasn't been done. This is scary stuff, man. And then to mandate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure they'll try. Uh, though we've got, you know, some some other interesting stuff. If I can find that, and again, I'm I'm jumping all over, but I have the stuff that is arranged so that I can find it quickly. Uh, this was effective March 13th. Okay, this is from the Week magazine. I think I sent uh, Matt a, 
I copy this and, and I couldn't get the actual page. But here's what the poll says. It says 79% of American voters say treatment for COVID-19 should be free for everyone. <laughs> and going to what we just said, 65% say that if there were a vaccine available, they would get it. 56% approve of President Trump's handling of the crisis so far. 33% say they are scared they might contract COVID-19, while 60% say they're not. 42% have increased their hygiene, including washing hands more frequently. So we got 42% washing their hands and 65% saying they'd uh, willingly take the vaccine. And what was the 60%? 60% said what? That they're, they're, they they're would not, not get the vaccine? No, it said 65% uh, say that if there were a vaccine available, they would get it. 60% said they're not scared. They're uh, not. 60% they said they're not scared. See, I mean, that gives me some changing. hope. Well, <laughs> don't get too much hope because I just saw a thing that um, came out today and I didn't even print it out. But it talked about how there are seemingly partisan lines here that Republicans are less scared than Democrats of, of getting the virus. So that's kind of interesting. <laughs> So with these numbers, you know, uh, obviously they have to ratchet things up a little bit if they want public support. People aren't or, scared Or bring enough. in the military. People aren't scared enough, yeah. Yeah, like I said, you know, I have a tank and six men with automatic rifles, and we're here to help you. <laughs> it gets to be, um, well... Can you shoot I the think pilots? A I don't think so. You know, the information <laughs> I've read about it's viability on surfaces, which suggests that shooting it with a 556 round won't work. <laughs> you, you shoot the host of the, of the <laughs> That's virus. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, the, this is where, uh, you know, going back to Matt's point earlier about, uh, you know, which is a point I was making, you know, these are otherwise extraordinarily intelligent people, I mean, that have high horsepower brains, but it, no matter how smart you are, if you're starting with the wrong philosophy, it wrong leads philosophy. you to bad decisions. Yeah. And so smart people can adopt the wrong philosophy, which can lead them down to, you know, very bad. I mean, you know, people who've done really bad things in the world could be, you know, have been very smart. Well, <laughs> and, bear in uh, mind so, too, and I, I think this is a great point, and not not getting into partisanship because it's it's on both sides of the divide. You know, um, again, back in the very old days when I was a teenager, I remember when one could argue that the Democratic and Republican parties had principles. Um, you could kind of look at their their fundamental philosophies and and see how their platforms were congruent with those philosophies. And today, both parties are, are strictly in a reactive mode and, and don't have any principles at all. Yeah, yeah that's I, for sure. It, 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 it's, you know, the, there's politics, there's science, there's the intersection of these things, and then, you know, and then there becomes the jumbled mess called thinking, you know, when all these things start to collide with each other, uh, you know, with where the thinking becomes almost incoherent. But in the, in the end, this is the whole thing. If there was, and this is why philosophers have to be at the table, uh, you know, not just scientists, who, uh, you know, these so-called scientists who all have a common philosophy that's steeped in this arrogance of, you know, uh, human ingenuity over nature. And, oh, you know, absolutely. Yeah. They need somebody at the table that says, wait a minute, folks, let's, before we go all the way down the path, let's back up and say, what is our, our real worldview here relative to viruses, their existence on the planet, our existence on the planet, intelligence, adaptation? I mean, all these things have to be looked at before you can start running down a road saying, here's, here's how we're going to fix this. We're going to kill it. <laughs> well, the problem, too, is that not only do we have this us versus it philosophy, whether it is another country or a, a virus, um, we have a fragmentation um, in science, and, and that is 
uh, you know, the same sort of thing that we're seeing in medicine, where you have very highly educated, very highly skilled people that have an extremely narrow focus and are skilled in doing some very intricate, complicated stuff. But as soon as you step out of their area of expertise or focus, it's lost. Right. And, and when we're looking at how to deal with a microorganism, you know, you got you got the epidemiology people with with their computer models, and you've got the basic science people that are feeding the epidemiologists with gobbledygook data uh, based on conjecture and speculation. And, and this machine is churning stuff out, and the politicians are saying, we just have to get the people under, and um, we, 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 we don't know what's going to happen. And uh, that's a very scary place to be. And as, as, as noted, it's because there is a lack of a worldview. There's a lack of a philosophy, and as stated earlier, this incredible hubris that uh, we as human beings with our very limited intellect and technology um, have the ability to uh, intervene effectively in an ecosystem that has been around for, well, a long time. Well, and we've seen clearly over the past, uh, you know, year, two years, that, uh, you know, what they think of our philosophy or anybody's philosophy because they took away everybody's philosophical exemptions relative to vaccinations, right, in the past year or two. So they don't care about your, your personal philosophy or even, you know, groups of uh, people's personal philosophy or religious beliefs for that Or matter, even religion, which, which is well, even and, more profound. And in, in, that, in that documentary, that Netflix documentary, this is you know, what, what probably infuriated me more than anything during, you know, and it spread throughout all of the episodes where they're interviewing these doctors that are, you know, on the front lines of all these, you know, outbreaks, Ebola, whatever, the swine flu and all these other things. And they're saying all these derogatory things about the anti-vaxxers, you know, in one breath. And then they cut to the next scene with the doctor standing around with his, their staff holding hands and praying before their shift starts. And I'm wondering, what the, nobody sees the, the contradiction here? <laughs> you no, don't want I, people to have personal philosophical exemptions or religious exemptions, but you're praying? <laughs> well, again, it's the, it's the politicization of religion. And that's, that's a whole nother problem. And of course, the government trying to suppress religion, which is what what happens in in totalitarian regimes, uh, where they're saying, you know, you you can't have a religion. Uh, the religion is, is scientism. The religion is. I was us. just about to say this isn't this is this is a form of religion uh, that is being you know uh, enforced uh, politically. And uh, legislatively into the culture, you know the the whole scientism, but you know the form of science that exists becomes a uh, an orthodoxy that's intolerant of any other points of view. And Robert Mendelssohn called it a religion, right? Robert Mendelssohn called organized medicine a religion. Yes, and he he called vaccines holy water. Yeah, <laughs> and and you know, and and again, I don't. I don't. Uh, uh, I would not want to take away people's rights to uh, to practice <laughs> that particular form of science if they wanted to. But you know, to to now say that this is conclusive factual reality to a point where anybody who doesn't align with it has their rights revoked and and becomes uh, subject to the whim of uh, you know of the of the government. Uh, you know, it's it's completely antithetical, obviously, to the idea of individual liberties, and you know, there's supposedly this freedom of religion. But, and I'm not saying that there aren't some factual aspects uh, of you know this this form of science, or there's not some virtue in it. But to say that it's it's now an omniscient state of of uh, understanding is you know obviously a joke. Well, so the claim uh, of omniscience anyway, it, is a characteristic of religion. 
Yeah. <laughs> they, they, the claim of omniscience is that characteristic. Yeah. That's when, what they in, do. in the ACP course that uh, Matt and I are doing, the Academy of Chiropractic Philosophers course, uh, there was a discussion about um, religion and chiropractic, and they uh, talked about here are the characteristics of a religion, here are the characteristics of a, a philosophy, and it was it was very interesting. And indeed, that was one of the claims of a religion. Right. Yeah, so so you start to see the parallels, and you know, to Matt's point, you know, uh, they uh, you you can't um, how can I put it? You can't uh, not you know you, you can't not comply with certain edicts, uh, but nonetheless, you know, people can get around and uh, and pray uh, before they go into a shift, and that's you know seemingly an admirable behavior and incidentally I'm a fan of prayer I'm a fair I'm a fan sure. of of, sure. of meditation but you know to 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 show the existing contradiction uh you know you know side by side in the same uh you know video is something that you know as you say it's right there in plain sight and people just don't see it can't yeah, see well, it well again the, the the hubris of of people too uh, that are religious thinking that there should be deference to their particular whim of the moment. And, uh, you know, pray for me, pray for my family to get what I want now. Um, that's, that's kind of a scary concept in, in and of itself. Uh, you know, I, I remember, uh, my brother-in-law was talking about how he believes that, you know, God guides the hands and the minds of the scientists and the physicians and the surgeons. Right. Well, I guess he does when they nick a vessel, too. You know, right. uh, come on. Right. But anyway, you know who's been not terribly visible in all of this, at least as far as I've seen? And that's an individual who makes good sense to me. And that's the Surgeon General. Yeah. Um, they know, shut him up real quick. <laughs> he's no he's no C. Everett Coop. I mean, C. Everett Coop, you'd see him on TV all the time, you know. But this guy, you know, he, he said some pretty rational things, and, and I haven't heard much from him. Just to share with you, it says Dr. Jerome Adams is the U.S. Surgeon General, and he is, uh, in addition to being a physician, a, a master of public health like Matt. And what he said, I think, is, is really significant. It says, Adams told Newsy, what keeps me up at night about the situation is that panic will win out over preparedness and that unfortunately fear will win out over facts. When you look at infectious disease outbreaks, in many cases, more people die from panic and fear than from the disease itself. What I want Americans to know is when we look back at past infectious disease outbreaks like this, they weren't ended with therapeutics or vaccines. They ended with hand washing and they were ended with social distancing. They were ended with the basic public health and hygiene measures that keep us safe from the flu and that everyday cold. And they could also keep us safe from coronavirus. Yeah, and I think, Chris, I forwarded you, I think, last night or, or sometime, something that came from Emory uh, University uh, where I got my masters in public health and the you know the they basically said they are you know knee deep in in this crisis and blah 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 and they're quoting from one of these uh, researchers there who said the exact same thing that the biggest thing he's worried about is the fear and then when it came down to where he was giving advice on what to do he basically said listen if you if you have it or you've been exposed self-quarantine uh, he didn't get into any of this fear-mongering or any of this other stuff. It was just really simple. Just, you know, if you're positive or been around somebody positive, stay away from other people for a while, you know? Yeah, you know, the, 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 what he's saying is wash your hands and, uh, you know, avoid crowds. But that avoid, doesn't, uh, that's, not gonna, that, that's not going to sell a vaccine, you know? There's so no they money took, in that. They, yeah, so they pushed him to the side, and then who came, you know, right up front is Anthony Fauci, right? I mean, yeah. he he's the point person now. He's the face on this, and you know, I don't want to get into it, but just you know, look into the history in terms of of HIV and AIDS and and his role in all of that, and you know, the picture just becomes very clear. Well, yeah, it's you know the it's yeah, and, and incidentally, I love the fact that this guy is just you know talking. 
you know, I guess it's kind of straight talk, and it's it's just simplicity uh, in a effective way. You're talking about no, Fauci, right? Yeah, it's not talking about the Surgeon General. You know? No, Adams. Oh, Adams, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that you know, it's it you know that he's got a um, you know he's got this this uh, you know this simplicity in his perspective and understanding of it. But to I guess now this brings up the point that when you're talking about saying, hey, if you test positive quarantine or if you're positive quarantine, but that's the argument for the test, saying you know people need to get tested so they can know if they are infected. Uh, you know, uh, that's you know, and that's the argument that they're making is to te why testing is important so people who know that they are going to test positive can self quarantine. But we're quarantining everybody anyway, it seems like at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, too, the, the, the magic what, number it, it, yeah. of, of 14 days. Uh, okay, so what happens after 14 days? Um, I'm still searching for data that shows how long a person remains contagious. Um, and well, that's and that's the next question because even I, I think there's still sh uh, viral shedding after, you know, you you pass through your uh, even if you got sick and went through it all and you come to the other side, I think there's a certain amount of time that you're still maybe contagious. Yeah, the unknowns are the sensitivity and specificity of the test, uh, the duration of the immunity, if any, conferred by a frank infection, and um, the duration of potential infection, uh, you know, how long you can infect others and propagate, how long the shedding is, as, as, as you said. Um, until you know that stuff, this is all just flatulence it's, it's, uh, in the wind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, flatulence in the wind by, you know, a species, the human species that, you know, has, it's taken... Uh, you know, billions of years, uh, millions of years of evolution to develop ourselves to the point we're at. And we're trying to do battle with uh, a, a thing, a virus, or whether it's a virus or bacteria or anything else that has been around for billions and billions of years and is able to adapt immediately and rapidly. Uh, you know, so it's a, it's a fool's errand. Well, just for fun... Let's take a quick look at two very different responses uh, within the profession. The first is from the Florida Chiropractic Society, talking about how there is scientific evidence that the body is a self-healing, self-regulating organism, that the nervous system controls and coordinates all functions of the body, and that vertebral subluxations obstruct and interfere with that process. The true essence of why chiropractic is essential is the fact that the nervous system controls the immune system and the two are actually a combined super system. We at the Florida Chiropractic Society feel strongly about the role of chiropractic as a staple in supporting the health and well-being of the public along with other salutogenic measures to enhance health and well-being and assist the body in adapting to physical, chemical and emotional challenges. There you have Con it. Contrast that to the World Federation of Chiropractic, <laughs> which stated, there is no, here we go again, no credible, that's the weasel word, there's no credible scientific evidence that chiropractic spinal adjustment slash manipulation confers or boosts immunity. Chiropractors should refrain from any communication that suggests spinal adjustment slash manipulation may protect patients from contracting COVID-19 or will enhance their recovery. Doing otherwise is potentially dangerous to public health. Yeah, and tell me why any chiropractic organization, leader, business, or anybody else would support this organization. I mean, it, it, they didn't need to come out with this to, to force anybody, you know, to see them for what they are. Uh, but, you know, uh, I mean, what is it going to take for people in this profession to wake up and understand what's going on just within our own profession? I mean, never mind what's going on, the craziness we're dealing with now outside of this. But now we have to deal with a crisis where chiropractors could help in a major way, and we got our own leadership, the controlling faction of the profession, this, this cartel, 
that's run by the ACA and WFC and the rest of them. We got them screwing with it, right? I mean, it's just absurd. Yeah. Well, again, I think it shows that the divide is is becoming greater. Um, it's not a kumbaya moment, that's for sure. Uh, the lines seem to be drawn. Well, again, it's all philosophy, right? At, at, and I don't call the WFC a chiropractic organization. I mean, they they use the name and the title, um, but uh, you know, they they certainly uh, and maybe they they represent some faction of, of licensees that exist out there. But um, for me, uh, they, they are publicly represented as chiropractic, but from, a, from the standpoint of values and principles, they're nothing close to chiropractic. Well, this will be an interesting event for the chiropractic profession. It'll be interesting, you know, in three or four weeks when this recording comes out, what happens? I mean, you know, because right now, you know, chiropractors are making decisions about continuous soldiering on or shutting down. And, you know, that uh, faction of the profession, the spinal manipulators for dysfunctional spinal joints and the WSC folks, I mean, they are ridiculing uh, the chiropractors that are deciding to stay open and serve their patients. They're ridiculing them. They're telling them that they're irresponsible. You know, we have these state boards sending out, you know, sort of cryptic messages about what to say and what not to say and so forth. So, you know, we'll and see what happens. Yeah, they're mandating certain types of hygiene within offices if you are going to stay open. Correct. And, uh, well, it, yeah, and let's just say, let's just say, just for clarity, that listen, uh, you, you know, you're a licensed healthcare professional. <clears throat> you need to follow the guidance that's uh, coming from those public health authorities. Um, not only does it, you know, make some common sense, regardless of what the bug is, uh, but it's also, you know, being mandated uh, to you. So okay. you don't, you don't want to get shut down and not be able to help people. Uh, you know, so short of getting vaccinated yourself, do those other things that aren't going to hurt anybody, protect yourself, you know, so you can continue taking care of patients. Don't make ridiculous claims. Don't say that you're curing infectious diseases, um, you know, and take care of people and, and help them support their immune system. I'm with you on that saying. I think that the protocols, you know, uh, for hygiene are, are warranted. And it's interesting, you know, it's funny how, you, how people get the philosophy Um you know, my mother, who is in the you know the so-called high-risk group, eighty-five-year-old woman um, who's you know got some immunocompromised, uh, you know, would not her chiropractor stayed open, and you know she left the house to go to the chiropractor and get her adjustment for this, and she did. And I said, Ma, why are you doing that? She said, because I want to boost my immune system. So. Right. So, so why should anybody get in the way of that chiropractor who decided to go to the office and see people and those patients who want that service in light of what's going on? And I certainly would respect people who say, I don't want to leave the house and I, you know, my, my choice is to stay in. But at the same time, there's people that want to make other choices. And uh, I think we shouldn't be in the way of those choices. Well, the argument that they're making is that those chiropractors are then going to become spreaders. Well, this is the practice of, <laughs> we, but yeah, but this is the practice of saying, uh, hey, you know, we're practicing a certain mode of hygiene as directed by our regulatory boards to mitigate that as, as a, you know, a potential threat. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, it's, uh, you yeah, know, this is, we're, we're in, absolutely unprecedented territory here and uh and it's and to your point matt you know we're having just an open conversation here for people to eavesdrop on uh and uh and and by the time this comes out you know we're going to see how things unfold hindsight is always 2020 this could have <laughs> happened we should have done that we shouldn't have done this and there's going to be a lot of hindsight and finger pointing after this is all over what i am certain of is that this will pass we will recover um, there's going to be some some ugliness probably in it, and if 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 anybody would uh, permit themselves, in the end, if you can look for the beauty in it, also, uh, you know, right now I'm home with my kids, 
you know, and we're doing things together as a family that hasn't been going on in our normal routines. That's very bonding and, and very loving and very, uh, you know, it's beautiful. I, you know, I, I wish it would take a crisis to, you know, make that happen. But uh, nonetheless, there can be bright spots in all this if you bother to look for them. Well, sure. And they've even said um, it's okay to go for walks. It's okay to go outside. It's, it's, it's okay uh, for your family to walk your dog, you know, and it's good to bicycle and it's good to do other things that maintain social distancing, but you get you out in the fresh air, get you moving around and uh, get you closer to nature. Just not the beach. Yeah. <laughs> Just not the beach. Well, these these were a bunch of of, of uh, drunken uh, college students, uh, you know, uh, laying on top of each other. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So now we all have to suffer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's throwing out the baby with the bathwater, but it's the miracle of collectivism. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh well. Anyway, so uh, I think we have to tie up uh, just from a time perspective here. So, uh, so Matt, uh, it's such a pleasure to have you uh, in the conversation here. I, I think you contribute an extraordinary amount of value to it. So, thank you for taking your time uh, today to be here. Yeah, thank absolutely. You. He signed up for ten minutes, and he's still here. Hey, it's my pleasure. I got a lot off my chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you feel better, oh, right? Well, hopefully, you'll feel better. <laughs> it's a salutogenic <laughs> activity. Yeah. <laughs> Dumping as a salutogenic activity. There's a paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, as I, this this on purpose stuff is very cathartic. It's good. Um, so uh, yeah, get to speak your mind. For all you listening, uh, you know, thank you for listening to On Purpose. Uh, obviously, there's a voice of reason here that you need to stay connected to. And uh, you're going to have, you know, for all the people that complain they don't have time to listen every month, well, now you got nothing but time, so you can, you can keep listening. Uh, so with Drs. Christopher Kent and Matthew McCoy, I'm Dr. Patrick Gentemple. You've been listening to On Purpose. And always remember, when you're on purpose, you are not alone. Right.